0: Pack it up, pack it in. Let me begin, Chad. It's another episode of Hell History. How you doing this week, my friend?
1: Good. How are you doing?
0: Not too bad. You able to place the song?
1: I am, but I don't. I mean, I know the lyrics. I gotta, it's like I gotta finish the rest of it in my head. To try to get to the name of it. In my my recall.
0: It's jump around, and do you know who it's by?
1: Also, pain. House of Pain.
0: That's yeah, the title the of this week's episode. House <laughs> of Pain, Chad. I
1: knew the band before I knew the song. Yeah. So.
0: well the last time we talked was three weeks ago now after the timberwolves opening night victory against the houston rockets we were on top of the world we uh we opened that episode asking are the timberwolves going to be the champions or are the rockets going to be the worst team in the league i think uh one of those things is still possible the other one not so much but uh chad i'll go through the the results here in a second but any over overarching uh thoughts from what we've seen over the last few weeks that you want to get us started with
1: I think that the uh, sort of the thing that's hanging for me is the kind of the same old wolves, like play up to certain competition, play down to others. Um, You know, they had that great win in Milwaukee Mm -hmm. and then they had a close hard fought battle against Denver and then they just go and lay eggs against New Orleans and the Clippers who were without Kawhi and, you know, they've had some bad losses. Yeah. Orlando, just the teams that they, should, they had no business losing to as well. Um, like the team that beat Milwaukee should not be losing to Orlando. Yeah. For example, you know, so those are the frustrating. That, but that's kind of how the Wolves have been. Doesn't matter how good the Wolves teams have been, like post KG era. That's just kind of how this Wolves organization has been. So, you know, that part is problematic, right? Because we have a new coach, we have a new GM, we have you know a lot of new players, but the culture is kind of the same. And uh, I don't, how do you change that? You know, is it just like we, do we have to speed up the exit of Glenn Taylor? Is that, you know, I just, it's hard to put that kind of performance at the feet of the owner. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. I mean, it's, it's funny because Britt Robson came out with an article yesterday, you know, talking about it entitled like dread, you know, where it's just talking about a long history of losing in Minnesota has made this an even harder battle for the current team. And, it was hilarious to me because i was looking through my time hop earlier in the day and i had retweeted brit exactly five years ago yesterday with a tweet that said blowing big leads in a predictably patterned way is how a team becomes unlikable and it's like has anything changed what year is it like the the names change the players are different but every single year the Timberwolves are exactly the same so you're walking through some of the some of the results let's go through them one at a time and Uh, just explain how we got here so like i said they beat houston 124 106 in opening night in a game that was not that close they crushed them they hit every shot in the world i don't think there was really anybody on the floor that we were disappointed by um when they come out they won their second game against new orleans which they won 96 89 in a game that yeah it was a win but i think there was a little bit of concern coming out of that one especially with how poorly the offense played but the defense was still you know living up to their potential they were still flying around Um, You know, you you were hoping that uh, they'd come back out in the second game of a back-to-back against New Orleans and and really put their foot down as a much more talented team. Because, I mean, New Orleans has been bad this year without Zion. They've got a chance of, you know, going 1-15 before Zion's back on the court. But that one win happened to be the second game against Minnesota. They came out, beat Minnesota 107-98, crushed them on the inside. Minnesota didn't have have, have any answer for Jonas Valanciunas, again, for the second straight night. And that was the first... I mean, the first game against New Orleans was a sign that things weren't going to be all all rosy. But you hope they bounce back, and so that 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 loss against a really bad New Orleans team was um, the first, you know, real real telltale sign that things might not be going our way. But as you said, they came right back out. They responded with a big win against Milwaukee, another win that isn't as good as it appeared on that on that same night, because I think they lost their next three games in a row after that game. Um, and they had some starters missing, but at the same time, it's Milwaukee. They just won the championship championship last year. Giannis was out there, uh, so Minnesota won, 113-108. Milwaukee made a run in the end, but Edwards was able to get to the basket for an and-one late in that game to seal it, and um, that's the only game this year that I've actually missed is when I was in New York with my wife for her birthday, uh, so I didn't get to watch that one, but I saw the results coming through, um, So, but I got back in time to watch them lose by two, 93-91 to Denver, a game where they had a late lead, but weren't quite able to hold on to it and close it out. But even at that point, I mean, like like you said, we we had a bummer of a loss to New Orleans. We beat Milwaukee. We put up a good fight against Denver, who even with their struggles this year and even with Jamal Murray out, is a team that's expected to be better than Minnesota. So, like they're three and two at this point, and a team that could be five and zero, oh, a team that could be easily four and one. You know, and things could go either way at this point. But that's when the wheels really came off. They ended up losing by 18 points to orlando 115 97 in a game where they had the lead going into the fourth quarter they lost to the clippers twice in a row 126 115 and then 104 84 so two you know an 11 point loss and a 20 point loss that second game the wolves had a 20 point lead earlier in the game ended up losing by 20 Uh, and then finally you know the other night losing 125 to 118 against memphis in overtime uh, in a game where they also they had what was it? A 16-point lead with seven and a half minutes remaining. They lost the entire lead, and you know, in the last seven minutes of the fourth quarter, hit a miraculous shot to go into overtime, and then just couldn't hold on to the to the ball. You know, in that overtime period, it's just been a, a really unfortunate run, losing now five straight games. The Wolves are three and eight or three and six, and nothing is looking right at the moment. So uh, we can talk through what we've seen. We can talk through any changes that we think we might be looking forward to or things that we might be expecting finch to make but otherwise i think we're going to be talking about the future of this team and what we're expecting of things if this ship doesn't get righted here pretty soon
1: yeah i mean the the silver lining i think is the defense has been pretty solid the whole season um you know at least over the course of the whole game if you look at it, they have breakdowns um but the the and, and then the other part of that silver lining is that the offense is where we expected this team to be pretty strong at, and that's the part that looks the worst right now. Mm-hmm. And I think, for me, the overall sentiment is just that the pairings of star power that we have on this team just don't work well together. I mean, I think I think Cat you could put out there with either D'Lo or Ant, and he's pretty much what you get out of Cat. Cat's pretty much Cat no matter what the other four guys are on the team other than when they're all out there and cats just not getting the ball, which is less about cats performance and more about the other guys. Um, but there's just a lot of selfish play from Dilo and from Ant and um, it's too much ISO, too much hero ball. It, it's just, it's, it. it looks ugly. There's not spacing because guys are just coming down and you know, everybody on the floor knows what's going to happen. You know, whether it's Dilo or Ant's just going to, Dribble the ball, try to make something happen for themselves. If the, if they pass, it's going to be an errant pass that doesn't, you know, hit the target. And it's just, you know, that's the part that's frustrating to me. I mean, I you know, without getting too far into the what I would do part, um, I just think that they maybe have to, at least in the time being, until they kind of figure out sort of some, some sort of continuity between the three of them, is stagger their minutes more so they're not on the floor together that often. I mean, I like. Ant and Cat on the floor in stretches mm-hmm. to start the game. And Delo's usually the disruptor there, but then later in games, Delo and Cat might get things going. They put bring Ant back out, Ant becomes the disruptor because then he's trying to get his. It's just there's a lot of that it feels like where Ant's trying to get his, Delo's trying to get his, Cat's not trying enough to get his. Yeah. You know, he's and so it's um it's just it's extremely frustrating because you know they're capable of so much better on that end of the floor. Yeah, it's
0: tough to know how much to take away from the end of last year because we saw things really change with this team after the All Star break. But that happened to be when Delo was out. Ant and Cat really started to form a pair, a partnership, and a two man game that they were working with. And then Delo came back, and, you know, to his credit, he was okay with that bench roll for a while to keep Ricky moving. And, you know, and but then at the end of the season, when it was all three of them starting, it seemed to click a little bit. It seemed to work. They won a few games. But it just, through the start of the season, it really seemed. And, like, you can't take this with you know as gospel because they didn't win the games when D'Lo was out either but it really seems like Cat thrives in a two-man game and that three-man game is really struggling like if if he can be out there with D'Lo and the two of them can focus with shooters around them or they can be out there with Edwards and the two of them can focus with shooters around them without a third guy who needs to you know be fed the ball that seems to work fairly well it's just happened to be that so much of the time this year with only two of them available the other three guys around them can't shoot you know, we've been an awful shooting team and they can't punish anybody for, for loading up on cat or for taking away the drives, you know, and this team seems like a team that not only can't shoot, but is also struggling to get guys open because they, it feels like pulling teeth, trying to get them to make more than two passes
1: in a possession. Yeah. They're just not sharing the ball. I, you know, and you're right last year, they did have a good two man game going between cat and ant, But to me this year, there looks like there's no Mm -hmm. two game going between those two. When they're on the floor, they've had success, but it's not, it's like independent of the other, you know, their success comes from the fact that there's just some other um, offensive threat on, on the floor that the defense has to account for so that they're able to, you know, make something work. I actually think just optically, and I haven't looked at the stats, that, Lo and Ant have had a better two-man game going. Again, independent of each other. And then Lo and Cat have done better together. Um, And it's... So it's it's kind of like just Cat and Ant out of the three stars are the two together that I don't like as much in terms of how they actually look. But the stats... A lot of our early leads in the first quarter, for example, at the end of first quarter, you'll look up and we might be up ten at the end of a first quarter. And those those first quarters are almost every game closed out by Ant and Cat on the floor and Dilo on the bench because is mm-hmm. usually the first sub out, and that's usually when we have the biggest lead. But it's not like there's this pick and roll game or something going on between Cat and Ant. It's just you know it's it's all like dumb luck that the, <laughs> that that they have the lead because. They've each been able to get something going on their own. I mean, there was a couple games early. There was one where he, I think at the end of the first half, Ant had 21 and Cat had 18 or 24 and 21. It was something like that. Um, second or third game of the season, maybe against New Orleans. But so they were just humming along. But then you you, you throw in a third guy like Dilo, and it just kind of falls apart. And you take you know if you take Cat out, then Dilo and Ant would be able to again independently operate. It's just but there there's not like there doesn't feel like there's any flow between the three of them. It's just in cat in or in Ant and Dilo's case, it's it's like a tag team wrestling match. Yeah. One of them takes the other one in and it's just that one brings the ball down and the offense just goes through them. And really when I say goes through them, it just means they're going to take the shot because there is very little sharing the ball um, from those two guys. And um, I don't know how you fix that without them just – Figuring out like mentally that they're not the guys that they're trying to be right now. Like they both seem to be in um, focus on a part of their game that they're not. It isn't their strength, mm-hmm. right? Like D'Lo is, you know, making a lot of poor passes which he doesn't normally do. Um, he's, you know, not shooting at a super high clip other than the other night against the Grizzlies. But um, Ant is just. I mean, all he does is chuck threes. Like he's he's essentially. Just become a Seth Curry out there or something without the actual benefit of being good at it. <laughs> like yeah. he's just his first few games he was awesome. These last several games, i like I, I couldn't be less impressed by his game. He's just he's got to get it through his head that's not his game. Uh, you know, hopefully he can develop a three point shot so that it's he's just not a waste of a player. But right now, if he just continues to just insist on shooting 11, 12, three pointers a game and going to the rim two or three times a night, or, you know, mm-hmm. he's just, he's not going to be on the floor very much. Cause he's just not very good at the rest of that, you know? And, um, he's, he seemed to be a, a little bit better on defense this year, but it's just like all the good that we saw from him last year, we only see three or four times a night this year. Yeah. And the rest of the night is a waste. The rest of the night is him shooting us out of games. Um, and it's, He's my favorite player on the team, but and I think I told you this when we were texting back and forth. But that's ninety-nine percent personality, right? <laughs> because yeah. the, the reality of it is, he's just not very good right now, um, and that's frustrating. Cat, you know, he's he's drawn double and triple teams every time he touches the ball, like he always has, but he's horrible at passing out of them, mm-hmm. and so that's become you know the game plan on him is every team is just doubling them. And it's working because Kat's not getting rid of the ball fast enough and then they tingle up and then he makes a, a tur- throws a turnover. I mean, it's just that part he has to figure out. And, and, you know, in the beginning of the season, we did our predictions and I was predicting, you know, big assist numbers from him for this year. And he's just so far like he's had lots of opportunities to get a lot of assists, but he's made poor passes even when he does get the ball to the right player. Yeah. His pass still isn't on target where he's getting the guy in a shooting motion. It's like they have to make some sort of acrobatic catch or they have to catch it down at their shoes or they have to catch it up over their head. And then they have to swing it because there's by the time they are able to adjust, the defender's recovered and it's got a hand on their face and they don't have an open shot anymore. And that happens a lot. If if he doesn't throw it into the sixth row, mm. it's, you know, it's off target enough that it disrupts the shooting motion and the defender is able to recover. So it's it's very much the opposite of what we are hoping to see in, the, like, of the Jokic-style passing. Jokic is on target every time. He's, he makes a pass that makes shooters, makes their job easier because he's he's hitting them in a shooting motion. And Katz, you know, he, he does that over-the-head throw where he just rifles it in there. And, I mean, he's capable... So that's what's frustrating. He he's capable of it because you can see him. He's got the athleticism to be able to make these kind of crazy passes, but he just doesn't do them well. Yeah, it's like it's like Wiggins watching Andrew Wiggins. Like you 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 are so frustrated because you can see him do certain things. And you're like, yeah, you have all the physical ability to do these things. You just don't for whatever reason. And that's kind of Cat like with his passing. Um, but other than that, I thought. I mean, I think Cat's been solid on defense here. I love after the first couple of games he stopped. Complaining about anything, so he's doing so many things that we've wanted him to do in that standpoint. But he's not getting the ball enough. He's not demanding the ball enough. I mean, he should be when he does post up, a lot more vocal to force him to. So, so, so it's more obvious to the the guys that hey, I'm just missing him I'm up here dribbling, trying to beat a guy one on one, or trying to set something up that isn't going to work. And Cat's down there in the post, calling for the ball. You know, at least maybe then. Dilo and Ant will spot that a little bit more frequently and at least set it up. I'd rather them pass it into Kat and let Kat initiate the offense from the, the post. And, you know, and I think Jim Pete said this in the broadcast the other night, when he does get double teamed, just to, to, to step back out further so that he opens up the lane instead of insisting on staying in the same spot and just try to, you know, make some crazy pass over the top of two larger defenders. I mean, cause even it's like when you're against new Orleans, or not, Orleans Clippers when you got Zubak and Batum. Mm-hmm. Batum's the same height or taller than Cat. I mean, it's crazy how tall he is when you see him in person. And so when they are fronting him, it's it's that's a pretty hard pass to make when you got two guys your size or bigger defending you.
0: Yeah, I mean, Cat is at a point where he's trying so hard to use this newfound strength that he built up over the off season, but he has he's using it completely wrong. I mean, I I don't know. I'm not an expert. I'm not even a strength trainer. I'm not a basketball coach, except for first through fourth grade girls. Like, I don't know what I'm talking about. So take this all with a grain of salt. But at the same time, they feed him the ball 18 feet from the basket with a shooting guard on him. And what's he supposed to do at that point? He's not going to take him off the dribble. He can't go through him because he gets called for an offensive foul every single time. All he's going to do is crab dribble until somebody comes over to to help, and then he and then there's no open shooter to find because he's taken so much time trying to get to where he needs to go. the The difference between him and Jokic is, yeah, his passing is different, but Jokic does everything at a speed that allows him to control where the, where the game is
1: going. He well, and he also he's thinking through the game at a speed that's slower than Cat too. Like you never see Jokic other than the other night when he shoved Morris. You never see him really like out of his cool. Cat's yeah. so emotional. Yep. You know, and I I had this conversation with somebody else. I'm like, it may have been a mistake having KG here for Towns' rookie year because Towns could see how beloved KG was here and stuff. And look, KG's as real as real gets. He's extremely authentic. He, you know, so when he was emotional, it it was real. It was coming from a real place. I don't think Kat's manufacturing his feelings. I don't think he's manufacturing his emotions, but he doesn't know how to channel it. Like, He's barking at the officials. He's tangling up and just doing this flopping yeah. motions with the other bigs. And, I mean, I don't know how many skirmishes there are between him and the, the opposing big in every single game where they're just like in a wrestling match that KG – I don't even remember a play that, that happened with KG. I mean, I'm sure there was physical – I mean, there's clearly confrontations with KG, but not like where he's just flailing his arms. It's like all of KG's motions had a purpose. Yep. and, and, and That's exactly what I was thinking. Okay. And cats are the opposite. Like his have no purpose. He's just kind of trying to get the rest's attention or whatever he's trying to do. And so I think he, he just interpreted what KG was doing in the wrong way. Like, he's like, Oh, that's what I, like, that's what I'm going to take from KG. I'm going to be this emotional, like you know, intensity and, intensity
0: and visible effort is what he took out of it right. when it needed to be true effort in a way that was smarter than anybody else on the floor and yeah i mean that's the thing about Jokic too is everything he does has a purpose to move some guy you know two inches in two inches to the left or to use his shoulder in a way that's going to get a guy's foot to shift in a way that he can spin off of it or whatever happens to be. towns has none of that thinking to his game it's it's you know crab dribble crab dribble fake this way then flail the other way because i'm trying to be quicker than you to get up under the basket you know whatever happens to be. and that's that's a symptom of the entire team. Every action that's taken is not done with an eventual purpose other than see what the defense does and then react to them. Nobody is moving the defense in a way that allows the Timberwolves to get an an advantage. Anthony Edwards drives in the middle of the lane, but he doesn't know what he's going to do when he gets there. And he he has to react to how many people are there. And then he tries to find an open shooter after he's double teamed. It's a matter of, do you know they only have their first action down and then they're trying to read and react off of that which i get this finch's system a lot of times you try to react off the defense but nobody is ever doing anything in a way that gives the team an advantage it's always doing what the defense wants you
1: to yeah they're not doing anything for another teammate yeah everything they do is for their own personal um you know goal like it's all it's all for them to score every move that like like you said, Ant when he draw if he drives he mm-hmm. almost never does. It's usually dribble, dribble, step back, shoot a three. Um, but when he does drive, he does if he does make a pass, it's just a bailout. It's he realizes I'm in over my head. Yeah, I gotta just throw this ball somewhere and hope that I don't turn it over. Um, and you know, D'Lo in a similar way. Um, and then in Cat's case, I don't think it's that he's not thinking as fast as you. I think he's thinking too. The game's still too fast for Cat. Mm-hmm. And for Jokic, it's dreadfully slow. Like when, when Jokic catches a ball at the elbow or, you know, down in the post and they send a double team, Jokic, you can, he doesn't smile. Yeah. You can just see the, it's almost a smirk, like you suckers. Right. Now I got you. And you know, with Kat, it's, it's like a, it's simultaneously him excited because this is what I wanted. This is, this is the moment where I'm going to prove I'm a really good passer and frantic because he's like, oh, no. Oh, no. What am I going to do? What am I going do? And yeah. then. Where's the, team... Where's the open guy? Where's the open guy? Where's the open guy? And his yeah. teammates don't do anything. They don't move. No. They all just stand there and watch, which is not helping Cat or the or the team. Where, you know, you watch Denver and the guys just, they just know, like, oh, you know, we so often have a lopsided um, court. Like, everybody will be on one side and the other side will be nobody. And so, it's so much easier for the defense to defend, especially when there's two guys on Cat. You don't need. You know, you can double team them without have exposing anybody when when the rest of the offensive players are all on one side. And um, in Denver, if that happens, they're like instinctively they're just cutting and getting to the, like spreading out so that there is more space. And you know, Cat's not getting any help on that end either. So this isn't just me begging on Cat for not being a good passer. I mean, I think that's something he can develop. But because look, on the list of things where I of players where I think things have gone wrong, Cat's definitely not at the top. I would put both Lo and Ant as being far worse performers yep. this season than Cat, and I really don't think it's close, um, but that's Cat's biggest area he could improve right now to help the team, because he's he's still far and away the most efficient shooter. Like, And I, I think I text you this too, the, if if you want to look at the offensive game plan, option one should be Cat, option two should be Cat, option three should be whoever's hot between Lo and Ant and Beasley and whoever, I really don't care. Cat's that much better than Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell on offense. He just, he just is. And we have all this, you know, the radio talk and all the stuff about how is this Ant's team? Like we're, this is so premature to me because right now he doesn't even look like an average player. He looks like a guy that can get a lot of stats in a very inefficient. I mean, like, look, if you handed the keys to him and traded away Cat, you're struggling to win 20 games with this team. Yep. He's just, not ready, and I you know, I just don't know that he's gonna be um uh, if he if he keeps going down this path, I really worry about the kind of player he's gonna become because I just I think he's taken a step back from last year. I think he she shows last year, I thought I saw a guy who I'm like, wow, he has a pretty good understanding of of the game. he's kind of you know, he's figuring things out this year, he seems completely lost like he has no idea how this game is being is played. It's like he thinks he's back in in Georgia or in high school where he can just, you know, overwhelm his up, um, opponent by his athleticism and physical strength. And that's not working for him this year. So um, he, I, I just think there's a lot that he can do better as well. And then and, and Delos just been outside of the Memphis game. It's just been a mess this entire season.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's so. been so up and down. And, and especially in the games that the, the Wolves have lost, I, he just, has almost torpedoed the you know the team. His, his worst game, oddly enough, was the the, Mem- the New Orleans game that they won. He was just a train wreck out there, right? But they ended up winning other you know in spite of him. He missed the two Clippers games due to injury. He missed half the Orlando game, but it's just this Memphis game. This last one was really the only the first time where you've been able to say. I mean, I I, I take it back from all accounts because like I said, I didn't see the game. He was good for the fir- in the first half of the Milwaukee game. That was one, his one good game Especially that he first quarter i mean he,
1: yeah. i think he scored 10 of her first 12 points or something
0: yeah. so when his shot is falling he looks great and to his credit like there was a point where his his shooting was a career low and his turnovers were a career high all of those like his turnover issues were all came from that first new orleans game he had seven in that game he hasn't had more than three in any other game so from a guy who of d'angelo russell's history and the type of player that he is he's his turnovers are right in line with who he has been historically now he's gotten them back down he only had one the other night he had seven assists against memphis he, he played a good assisted turnover he game for, you know, memphis, so.
1: that was that was his best game of the yeah. season by a long stretch one of his better games is a timberwolf
0: so that's back in line it's just but it's just a matter of his he's only had two sh- shooting games you know this whole season that have been above 40 percent And that you know the Memphis game and the Milwaukee game. Everything else has just been a stinker. His shot hasn't been falling. I don't know if he's one of the guys affected by this new ball. I don't know if that's even a real thing or just some guys aren't hitting shots and they're complaining about it. Whatever it happens to be, but he's got to get his shot in line. And hopefully his numbers get back to his career percentages. And if they do, that means he's going to have a run where he's being you know overly effective for a while as a shooter. Hopefully it's not three games of scorching hot heat and then you know seven games bad. But um, but we talked before this season how D'Lo is. You know, you know, really good to really bad. It's not a consistent streak of, of decent with him. So um,
1: he's sorry. another one tough because when you when he is on, he looks so good at what he's doing. Yeah. And then when he's off, you're like, how can this be the same person? Because it's, you know, like that, like you know, like that New Orleans game. You take that player versus what we saw the other night in Memphis. You're like, how was that the same guy? You know, it was just so drastically mm-hmm. different. But I mean, that's the
0: thing about good D'Lo, and this is a problem that a lot of people have with D'Lo, especially outside of Minnesota, the national media is that is that good D'Lo doesn't get other people going. Like when his shot is falling to you know the way that we see when he looks like Steph Curry out there, he's pulling up from the logo or he's just taking shots over you know with his high release left-handed three pointer over two guys. It's just you see D'Lo rolling and it's like oh man, D'Lo's having a game, but it's like. How long can it last? Can it last four quarters? Is it only gonna last a quarter and a half? And then when that when that hot streak ends, who else is gonna step in? Because it's not like the defense is gonna to react to D in a way that is going to start opening other guys up for the rest of this offense to start clicking.
1: You know Well it should though if he's hitting threes. I mean, I, I was gonna say that he doesn't gain by going in the way that Ricky Rubio gets people going no, or you yeah. know, as, a, as a passer. But the way he does is by sort of, you know, the gravity of his game drawing defenders to him will open things up for other guys if if he starts getting it i mean i actually think as much as it goes against what the nba has become the wolves need to work in a little bit more of a mid-range game cuz right now it's so like they take such a high percentage of their shots from three point and then the the points in the paint cat's not the one getting a lot of them it's usually like the Joshua Kogies, Jared Vanderbilt's, um, and even the guards, you know, McLaughlin has a lot of shots at the basket. Um, obviously, uh, like even Beasley, I mean, Beasley's kind of figured out in order for him to get going, he's attacked the rim a little bit early so that his shot starts falling, which is what I wish Ant would do as well. Because, um, if, if, you know, if there was a guy on this team taking 11 three pointers and it wasn't cat, it would be Beasley who I would nominate for that. It wouldn't be Delo or Ant and, He's actually figured it out like, well, I started off really rough shooting threes. And th- then he started, you know, he had a couple early baskets in each game that he was, got hot in, like uh, one of the Clippers games because his, his uh, grandparents were sitting in front of us and we were watching them kind of go crazy and stuff. But he started that game. He missed a couple threes. Then he stopped. Ta- he wasn't taking any and he was driving to the hoop. He got a couple nice layups. And then all of a sudden he got hot and I think he had like 18 points that game. And uh, so... If we worked in a little bit more of a mid-range game, which is what D'Lo excels at, mm-hmm. then he can kind of dri- dribble in from the three-point line, and if he's hitting shots, then the defense is going to close out on him quicker, which then opens up lanes for guys to kind of cut in a way that you know we just talked about with Cat. If Cat draws the double teams out further rather than just maintaining position, then he might be able to you know get a cutter and stuff. All of that, D'Lo being able to affect that and Cat being able to affect that, hinges on other players having the awareness and moving without the ball in order to help the guy with the ball rather than let let him just be trapped out there and you know wait for the inevitable brick or turnover yeah beasley's another
0: guy that really needs to to find his path because i they've talked a lot about him coming in possibly out of shape and trying to get his legs under him but i mean he's had some he's had some really bad games i mean he all of the plus minus numbers, if you look at different pairings, like the worst ones have Malik Beasley in them, and I know most of that was from the start. But he had a, he had a bad game against Memphis. He was two for eight, zero for five from three. You know, against New Orleans or not New Orleans, against in two, the two games against the Clippers, he was minus twenty two and minus twenty eight. You know, in those two games when he was on the floor, even though his three point shot was falling, it's just he is. We've talked a lot about how he's a guy who shows the effort, but the effort isn't necessarily contributing in the way you wanted to contribute so hopefully we can find first half of the season from last year beasley at some some point here because he's been um he's been you know main part of the problem they need his shooting they need him to be the shooter that he can be in order for this team to reach his potential and he just hasn't been he he, he's really having a hard time finding his spot
1: yeah i mean you know i think he's working through it because it's like You'll see two good games, one bad game. Where at the beginning of the season, you was just like three bad games, yep. one good game. You know, two bad games, you know, one good game. Like I think he's starting to. It's just just look, look. He's never been a good plus minus guy, right? I mean, he. It's like because unless he's scorching hot, mm-hmm. it's gonna be really hard for him to make an impact on defense. Yeah, <laughs> because, his
0: defense is never going to keep up with with the no. offense. Yeah.
1: So he's just never going to be, you know, the other way
0: around. His offense is never going to keep up with his defense. Yeah.
1: Right. Um, And so anyway, just, just, but you know, that's why it's hard because Ant sort of has the green light right now. He's taking the most shots on the team and you look at just his, you know, plus minus numbers. And I mean, I'll I'll say the first game is plus 26. The second game he was awful, but he was still a a plus 10. I mean, he still shot 36% Mm -hmm. in the game. Um, but then, you know, the first game, he shot 12 threes, second game, eight, third game, 11, fourth game, 10. You know, it's just like, that's way too many threes for a guy that's not a very good three-point shooter. Um, and I don't really know to what end, or, like, are we just going to, I mean, I guess it's just, we're throwing away the season to let him try to develop a three-point shot. If, and because they're not, it doesn't seem like they're raining them in at all. Like there's never. Yeah. They keep making know,
0: comments about it, but nothing changes from game to game. No.
1: And Finch will talk about, yeah, we have. Too many guys playing, you know, selfish basketball. And Cat or uh, Kat, Ants even said, I mean, he he was calling out at the beginning of the season, saying that, yeah. that he Delo and Cat were too selfish. The the most selfish player on the team is Ant, and like by a country mile. I mean, it's not even close. So Ants just gotta like have more self awareness on the court. He has to have the same self awareness he has off the court on the court because it's um, right now it's abysmal.
0: Yeah, I mean it's. I know you can't just drive into the teeth of the defense 12 times in a row. Like, that's just not going to be successful. He has to have a jump shot to keep him honest. And I'll give him that. It's just, like, as everybody has been saying, I'm not the first one to say this. Like, he thinks that he needs to be a shooter to open up his driving lanes. Everybody else wants him to be a driver to open up his shooting. Right, right. And that's the problem. And, it's and just, I
1: get that, too. He doesn't have to drive into the teeth every yeah. time. But what he's got it, what, he, what he's doing is... Trying to get hot from three so they can open up the driving, and by doing that, if you're taking 12 3 three-point shots a game and you're you're hitting three of them, mm-hmm. well, all you're doing is making the lane that much harder to drive because they're just going to sag off. Yeah, 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 and and so it's just it's um it's having the exact opposite effect because he's just not a good enough three-point shooter to do that. It's just I'd rather him just go inside, and, you know, move in a little bit and take some more mid-range shots because like I'd rather him be four of eight from two and three of 12 from three, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Um, I mean, the
0: the problem brings it back to what we were talking about earlier. Like his, his motions, his purpose when he has the ball has to involve somebody else on the floor in order for him to actually be successful. Because if he thinks he's either going to take a three or he's going to dunk on somebody or spin up his little left-handed layup, whatever it happens to be like, those can't be the only two options when he has the ball. He has to drive or he has to move or he has to take a pick in whatever it happens to be in a way that bends the defense to get somebody else open or to find Cat or to find D'Lo in the corner or to even find Jaden, even though his shooting has been god-awful this year. It's whatever it happens to be. Like, Do it with a purpose rather than just trying to treat the whole game as a one-on-five.
1: Yeah, and, and that might be the other – like you mentioned Jaden. I mean, Jaden's shot has not been going down. It looks good, yeah. but then it just yeah. doesn't go down. But there, again, is another reason why – it's like. Maybe we stop insisting everybody just shoot threes as a team mm-hmm. philosophy, because that's all. I mean, because Okogie's most of his shots are still coming from three. Um, you know, they're like they're just camped in the corners, waiting for the ball, and maybe they pump fake and drive it to the hoop. You know, a little bit more. And I just, you know, I I just think it's we become too in, too infatuated with three point. It it almost feels like this is more Rosas style ball than last year under Finch's. team wants Russell style ball like it's it's this team now it's it's so much more all or nothing from three point that you know if they're not if there's not two guys feeling it from three you know this team doesn't have a chance to win the game right
0: i mean somebody has to move without the ball and it can't be wait until the guy with the ball is trapped and needs help like the offense just has to be built in a way that if i'm Vanderbilt has shot five threes this year, and I'm sure they're all from the corner, but that cannot be the way the offense is designed to work. Why is he waiting for the pass in the corner instead of finding the optimal time to cut to the basket? Like, that should be his whole purpose if he's out there on the floor, is, is finding the time when player X with the ball gets to the nail or gets to the corner or gets to the lane or whatever it happens to be, and then cutting off of that. Like, there has to be more of that happening with the guys off the ball, and but they're not going to do it if the guys with the ball aren't looking for them. So if if the guys with the ball only need, you know, outlet valves for when they're double teamed or when they find themselves in trouble, the best scenario for that is somebody who's camped in the corner or way outside the three-point line because it's an easier pass. But the harder pass is when you're trying to do it inside the lane and somebody's trying to make a a basket cut and nobody's moving, nobody's moving the ball, you know, nobody's doing anything with the intention of getting somebody else involved, which... Is just you know we've been saying the same thing over and over. It's just you know they've gone from making one pass possession to two, but they got to do better than this.
1: Yeah, it's I mean that the offense is just hideous right now. I mean there's there is it's really there is no offense. It's yeah. just there is no system. They're just coming. And it's it's and this is why I like where I will spin it in a positive way is because i this feels very much like the the way the offense started last year. I remember us talking about this cuz i remember saying it almost word for word the it just feels like there's no structure to the offense. They're just going out there and doing what they each individual player feels be, best doing. Yeah. And so and that eventually did turn around. Um and then like you pointed out, you know part of that was Dilo wasn't out there. So there was less, you know, scorers that needed to share possessions when you have Rubio facilitating things, who doesn't care about getting a shot. Um You know, I, I, a couple of games ago, I was thinking, well, I would pull D'Lo out and probably pull Ant with him. And that way you leave, get cat going earlier, or, you know, earlier in the game. So midway through the first quarter or whatever, and they get Beverly out because Beverly and cat actually seem to have a good rapport mm-hmm. of actually structuring some stuff together um and so i would let them get a little more minutes together and then when you take cat out put both d and ant back out there i just think cat's a good enough offensive player that he can carry the offense without another um big time score it's not ideal i mean the whole point of us going to get d and draft an ant was to give cat more offensive power around him so you couldn't double and triple team him but it doesn't work when the other guys aren't moving around and not helping the, you know, the, the double team and triple team. So scrap that Bring in a guy that is smart enough, you know, to figure that out and put in Beverly with him, And then let Ant and Dilo go back out there and just take team it again and figure out, okay, your turn. All right. My turn, you know, and just, and they're both again, offensively talented enough that they can get their own when they really want it. And um, it's just going to be ugly, you know, if they're just chucking up threes from, yep. you know, deep and stuff, but, like, that's what they're doing anyway, whether cats on the floor or not. So I just assume them not waste minutes of cats' time on the floor doing that. I'd rather them just, if you're just going to go out there and, and shoot 30 footers on your own with you know no regard for any sort of professional offense, then do that with cats on the floor and not waste your best commodity. Um, and, you know, put cat out there with guys that are less selfish so that he gets more touches. Because I'd rather him shoot 40 times. I'd, I'd rather cat. Or uh, Ant and D'Lo only play twenty minutes a night. If this is the way they're going to play, and let Cat go out there with McLaughlin and and Beasley and Prince and other guys. I mean, and maybe Beasley becomes one of those guys you can't put out for very long. But just to get Cat's offense going, because you know, like I I don't think the win losses are being different than they are now. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's just. I mean, speaking of positives, that you know, if we're going to spin them, Beverly's been one of the positives. I think. We're, we we got to start watching his minutes here. If he's going to slide in the starting lineup like he did against Memphis, he'll, pro- he'll probably be in the starting lineup against, again tonight. Um, so he's, he's right along his career averages. He's at about 25 minutes a game so far, but if that starts creeping up, I think we got to start. He's he's always an injury risk, so if he starts playing even more just to right the ship here, you know, that's got to be something they're going to have to watch out for. But he seems to be like the o- the only guy on the floor who consistently just makes the right easy play, you know. And it doesn't have to be flashy. It doesn't have to be... You know, take my guy off the dribble. It's just, hey, this pass is open here. I'm going to take that pass, or this, you know, this shot is open. I'm going to take the shot when it's open, but not if there's a guy in my face. And to that, to his credit, he's shooting 50% from the floor, which is, I mean, the highest he's ever shot before was 43%. So he's well above his his shooting averages because he's shooting 43.5% from three. He's shooting 58% from two, which he's he's never shot above 50% from two before. So he's he's making a ton of shots, and I don't know if it's sustainable, but he's. Just really making everything right now, which but he's playing off shot, of different types of guys. So,
1: yes, and every shot he takes is a smart shot. You never see a shot where you're like, oh, that was dumb. Like, yeah. well, you know, like almost all of, of like Delo and Ant's shots, you're like, that wasn't a very smart one, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. unless it's like a, I mean, even the wide open ones, you're they come down on a breakaway, they have a two on one, and they pull up for three. You're like, we had a man advantage, and you're shooting your worst shot. Yeah. <laughs> like It's just the, the, those things. Whereas Beverly, is moving to the 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 void on the floor and getting the ball, whether it's from Cat or you know Band or whoever you know getting into him, he's just like instinctively finding the open spots on the court so that he can get an uncontested shot, and it's just it's such a small thing that the rest of our guys just. You know, Okogi, I think, is finding the right spots too and, and taking decent shots. He's just not he just the shoot. shot maker yeah. that Everly is. So it's, you know, it's not as effective. And and probably the same for Vanderbilt. Like you said, when Vanderbilt's in the corner, the offense probably isn't designed that way. But I think Vandal's just a smart enough player. He's like, well, that's where the open hole is. Like, that's the open space on the court. So I'm just going to go there because nobody else is doing that. And I'm not helping by just standing within hand-holding distance of another one of my teammates. Um. So I'm just going to go to the open spot on the floor and, you know, and, and that's where his limitations on offense hurt you. Because if that was, you know, if that was Nas, for example, well, then that's, that's a threat. That's mm-hmm. either a three point shot, or at least it's a, you know, going to draw a defender to to close out on him. And Vandal is just like, nobody's going to close out on a guy that no, not at all. shoots as poorly as him. You know, and I don't know if you saw, I'm sure you did, the G League games, but Actually, I Actually, was thinking how much better would this team even look with just McKinley Wright and Leandro Balmaro out there? The way that they play, I mean, they're better versions of what you want D'Lo and Ant to be right now. You know, McKinley Wright dribble hits the three, but he does, he's able to create his own shot uncontested. You know, when it matters most, and then Balmaro, he's driving and dishing to guys. You know, instead of driving and taking like prayer layups or just pulling out and, you know, shoot, trying to shoot from three. So those are the type of things where I'd be like, okay, well, those guys kind of have it figured out. Maybe I put them on the floor with cat again, and then let Ant and and Dilo figure out their mess together because, and because all they're doing is taking turns anyway. So just let them, you know, keep them playing the same amount of minutes, but just their minutes are exclusively together because, you know, they both, neither one of them are getting anybody else going is mm-hmm. you know so i, mean, I don't know
0: I mean, finch has to be looking for guys that are going to play in a way that helps his team be successful and if if by the end of the year that's like you said Leandro barmero and mckinley wright and jake layman like i at this point i wouldn't be shocked because nobody else wants to do the things on the basketball court that even casual fans like us I mean, we're probably, we're probably a little bit more than casual. We have a podcast. You've got season tickets. But but we're like we're not involved in the game in any way. And we know how a game is supposed to be, You know how an offense is supposed to flow, how, what it's supposed to be like to watch a team that's successful that knows what they're doing out there. And you can watch four out of five guys on the floor at almost all times just aren't doing anything. They're not doing what they're supposed to do. They're not doing what we tell our kids to do in their basketball games. It's just a matter of who's going to actually – I know talent usually wins out in these things, but – he's gonna have and to start making some hard decisions
1: yeah and i think they know like clearly i think all those guys know more about basketball than i do yeah I, like and that's I, what i'm I, saying
0: too i hope yeah
1: it's like i mean i i think i mentioned it on one of our earlier episodes like one of the annoying things for me about attending all the games is you always have these you know knuckleheads in the crowd like box out you know and yeah. they're saying these super annoying like junior level things because that's all they know about basketball but yet in a weird way, it's not. They're not exactly wrong right. either, right. because there are lots of moments where it's not that cat doesn't know to box out. It's that he thinks Vando is, or he thinks O'Kogi, whatever. He thinks yet somebody else is going to box out their guy, and he can just start heading back down the court to you know get the you know the, the initial path, whatever, whatever he's thinking. But they all kind of are doing the. They're pointing at each other like, "Well, that was you. Your mm-hmm. your job is that. Your job is that. you know." And they all think their job is to score. And when I say all, I mean the big three. Yeah. And then you can add Beasley to that a little bit as well. But they all want to be the guy. Like, you know, and if just listen to what they say. Cat catchers talks like he's has playing like he is the guy. And for all intents and purposes, he is. Because he is the best player on the team. He's been here the longest. This team's sort of built for him. But Dilo talks like, I'm the one who leaders of the team. He, you know, he constantly... <laughs> says things along those lines that he's a leader. He's talked about how he needs to earn another max contract, all these things. So, you know, selfishly, he's thinking about like, okay, what's, what can I do to make me shine brightest, you know? And then Ant is trying to emerge as like, he had all this positive momentum coming into the season. Even, even now, like, look, I'm probably being the most um, down on him out of Anybody, I haven't read anybody being as down on him as I'm being right now, and I and I and I'm saying this while I'm also admitting that he is my my favorite player at the same time. But he's it's ex- so frustrating because I know what he could be, mm-hmm. and I just feel like this is going to be another one of those guys that squanders his his natural ability and natural athleticism and all the you know the gifts that he has. Um, and in his case, he's got more gifts than most people we've seen because he's also got the the personality side of things that, you know, you don't like if he could just get the game right, he's going to be a, a superstar. Um, even if he's never going to be as good a player as Cat, I think he would be a bigger star because of his personality. And his play on the court is jeopardizing that because casuals from other teams will look and say, oh, well, he's averaging 24 a game. That's pretty good. But if then when they watch him play, like I actually was talking to a Memphis Grizzlies fan. Yeah. Who I'm friends with he actually covers the Grizzlies uh, he runs their Instagram page and we were talking because he was asking me, he was like, well, I was thinking about going either to the Wolves game or the the Atlanta Hawks game coming up. And I'm like, I'd go to the Hawks to be honest with you, because I mean, they're only going to visit Memphis once all season. So that's your only time to see them. They're a much better team than the Wolves. The Wolves, if they figure things out, they'll be back in the spring, go see them then. Well, of course it's like yeah. the craziest <laughs> game. <laughs> so I felt bad, but he was like, well, I really wanted to see Ant-Man and all that stuff. And, you know, and then he watch, it, you know, and Ant that was one of his better games was last night. I mean, you know, but still he was a minus sixteen. Like he's he's torpedoing your chances to win. Yeah,
0: I mean that whole starting group was a,
1: a minus sixteen because that's what that last seven minute stretch was. It was just a train wreck. Right. But yeah. Right. But um you know, so it's just it's just like I, th- I think when they watch them, I mean, it's weird because I was seeing other Memphis people that I, because Grizzlies have always been a team I like. So I follow a lot of the Grizzlies writers mm-hmm. and I've been seeing other of them speak very highly of Ant from, from that game. And I'm like, I don't, I mean, even the good parts that Ant had that I didn't feel like he was really impacting a difference one way or the other in that game. I felt like when we were on Dilo was the key differentiator. Cat was cat. Ant was Ant. And when, but because Dilo was on, that's why we looked so good for three and a half quarters and then that you know the end became part of the reason why i think it, it fell apart i will put it a little bit on ant because he was trying to be the hero he's trying to like elevate himself there were also in the passing stopped we're, we're no longer moving the ball around and the ball stopping with you know whichever one of the big three decided well this is gonna be my turn to take up yep. cat did the same thing cat a couple times where you know he had a couple you know sloppy turnovers because he was just trying to make too many things happen. But I I just, it it feels to me like they're all, all three of them are doing things that they think are going to make them the hero of the game, kind of change the narrative for them personally, rather than as a team collectively. Yeah.
0: I mean, we've talked a lot about the big three because it begins and ends with them. The team's fortunes are going to move in their direction. The bench has been just as bad I mean, we've got a couple bright spots like we talked about. Beverly has been as good as expected, if not better. Nas Reed has been, at least individually with his individual stats, has been just as good as he was last year shooting the ball, and he's been as good as he was two years ago without the ball. Like he's just, this is the best we've seen Nas be. I'm, I'm still holding on to my preseason prediction that he's going to end up being the the starting four next to Cat because it's the only way that the the team actually functions uh, with the way the. Front court is broken in our roster
1: construction. Um, but, well, you probably only got to do that like twenty games, and you got it because right. yeah, it's such a rota- rotating door there right now.
0: But i it's just they're struggling. I mean, like I tried writing down notes for a bunch of guys. Like next to Torian Prince, I just drew a poop emoji. Like that's my only <laughs> note for Torian Prince. Like I, we were so excited about him with the way he was shooting the preseason, and he's just done nothing. He's just been. He's just nothing but salary filler in a deadline deal to try to attach to another asset and get a, a big, like, at this point. He's really going to have to prove some value, and I don't know how he does that besides hitting some shots because he's not the defender they need. He's not a, as good of a defender as a Koki and Vanderbilt are. He's not as good of a shooter as Nas is. I just I don't know what role he's serving on this point. I don't even know if I'd play him over Jake Lehman at this point.
1: Well, yeah, I, I don't. you know how high I am on Lehman anyway. Um, in fact, I would probably give Lehman more minutes because— like, last year in times where, you know, Lehman hadn't played in three, four games, and all of a sudden they put him out there, and he would have, like, these—he seems that he can kind of get into the flow quicker than other yeah. guys we have on the team. Like, I, I'm, I'm not su- suggesting you put him in there and expect him to go, you know, five or six from three and, and turn the game around on his own, but I, I think he'll make the right plays more often than not. Um, but, you know, who knows? I mean— you know, on the, at the power forward spot, they've rotated, you know, Vanderbilt, okogi or just for that fifth starter, let's mm-hmm. just say. Because it's not always been power forward. They put in Beverly the other night. And and oddly, at least for the first game when they make the change, they've all kind of worked. Yeah, right away. And I mean, Prince next, worked
0: right away, too.
1: Yeah. And then the next game, it falls apart, and then they have to switch it again. You know, and then it becomes somebody else. And, um, and so... <sighs> I, you know, I feel Finch's pain there because it's like, well, what do you like? I don't know what the solution is there. I mean, and I'm not paid to. He is, but it is tricky. And I, so Nas is a guy I would two reasons, you know, and I, I'll bring up Nate Knight again because I, I want to see him just get out there more. Just because it's like it's another big body that can maybe help your rebounding. You're the worst rebounding team in the league or one of them. Um, Nas might help elevate. I mean, obviously, Vanderbilt's a great rebounder. But when he's on the floor he's all he's really doing is taking rebounds from cat you know they don't work well together I don't think um, you know because it's like cats re- rebounding numbers plummet when Vanderbilt's on the floor and on the games that Vanderbilt plays fewer minutes that's those are the games that cats getting 12 or 13 rebounds so somehow we have to find a way where that that other guy is adding rebounds to the total not just taking them from yeah. from cat you know what I mean and that, that's not a knock on how Vanderbilt's playing I just think that's just they they kind of gravitate to the same position on the floor. So if one of them's already there, the other one's you know just trying to create some space, not not there. So whereas you know maybe Nas he won't be the rebounder that Vanderbilt is, but maybe he'll get them in a different spot, and that'll help add to their team totals. And right now, you know that's I'm just that's that's the bare minimum I'm looking for. <laughs> just somehow increase your team's overall rebounding numbers, and, and Nas might be at one way to do that, and then if Nate Knight earns, you know, four or five minutes a game, because Nas is playing so, so many minutes at the four, you know, then like, do that as well. Um, but teams are, ever since, uh, I think Orlando was the first one to kind of double-cat the way they were, and ever since, and every team's been doing the same exact thing, and mm-hmm. they're going to continue to do it until we figure out how to get out of it. And it doesn't look like it'd be that hard to to making your way out pay that.
0: for that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, um, but guys have to hit shots. I, you know, there is, you know, I know shootings down league wide, so there might be something to the ball being different. Um, but it seems silly, you know, they're professionals, but it's, it's more than just the wolves. There's a lot of guys now there are, there's exceptions, but like Damian Lillard started off ice cold mm-hmm. as well. Um, you know, so there's other big name guys even that have struggled, but, um, Anyway, but in the McDaniels, I've, i thought Jaden's played really well this year on defense, but he's picking up all these falls. I think part of that's just, he's not getting the calls go his way. like he's, he picks up, I mean, one or two falls a game that you're like, that shouldn't have been a fall. Yeah. Like if you're anybody else on the court, you're probably not getting that whistle, but because he's super young, the refs see him, he's all arms and legs. So it looks like he's, he's touching somebody when he maybe isn't. Um, so I, you know, that's probably just something that's going to come with experience, but you know, he's, even when he's not scoring though, he's affecting the game in other ways in a positive way, because he's, you know, he's tipping balls out of the passing lanes. He's, you know, going in for rebounds. He's playing good defense. Um, I mean, you know, when you're going from a guy that can defend John ja Morant to defending, uh, you know, Valanchunas, <laughs> you know, if, uh, on another team, like that's uh that's a, a Luxury none of our other players give us.
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, Dane Moore has been kind of, you know, running, driving this ship for a while now. But as he said, like, it's a broken roster because Finch just has limited options. Either he puts somebody out there to help the spacing when Cats gets doubled so they can't guard him like that. So they actually have four shooters around him. But if if they do that, then they can't defend the other team on the other end. And, or they put somebody in like Vanderbilt or Kogi, in which case a guy like Zubots for the Clippers just stands in the paint while they hang out in the corner and then can be three steps away from Carl whenever he gets the ball to bring the double quickly. It's there's nobody on this team unless you're going to go small and just give up every rebound, which just might have to be what they concede that can play both, both directions on the floor. And it's what they've been trying what they went to last game with Beverly out there, McDaniels out there at the four, you still want to keep Delo and and Edwards out there. Cause they are two of your big three. You know, so maybe that's the best way to go. I don't know. It's just...
1: It still kind of forces you into having to hit so many three-pointers. Because it does, yeah. Then the, the bigs on the other team, their shooting percentage is going to be through the rough because it's going to be, you know, easy baskets for them. And so they're, most possessions they're going to score on, your opponent is, and most possessions you're not because you're not a good three-point shooter. I mean, I, I would twist it this way. Like, I, I don't disagree with that sentiment, you know, that the roster is broken. But I don't know that it's a... A collective thing. I think it's individual thing. Like, so if you, if I were to ask you this, like, how many teams do you think Carl Anthony-Towns would fit on right now and still be productive? Thirty. I agree. Yeah. How many teams would Anthony Edwards be productive on right now?
0: Productive as in his stats, or
1: productive as in the driving team. winning? Up on the team, driving winning.
0: I mean, I don't think that's where Ant is right now in his career.
1: I agree. I'm yeah. just saying, like, that's who we got, though. We don't have what we hope Ant will be in four years from now. We yeah. have Ant Day, right? D'Lo, how many how many teams would he help winning? Six. Him? Yeah, if yeah. that, right? Yeah. He might be zero too, right? And so I guess that's what I'm saying. It's like part of that is those guys just need to, they all have to improve. Like I'm not saying cats without faults, but it's, it's glaringly obvious, I think, for people that watch a lot of games. Like if you just watch, a couple of Timberwolves games, you might you might only catch the games where Ant looks mm-hmm. magnificent, um, and give him all the credit for their the good things. That that's what I feel like is happening. The narrative is spun now where the good Ant gets all the credit for, the bad it's all Cat's fault or D'Lo's. But D'Lo, I think most fans have just like yeah abandoned yeah. right. Like they're they're so frustrated with him that they're not even it's it's right now it's between ant and cat and it's like ants good cats bad. It's like, and I, I kind of <laughs> I kind of said this to, to some other people I was talking to who brought up trading cats. Like we, as Minnesotans have to get over this. Fa- like we can have more than one star on a team. <laughs> you know, like we don't just because we never have other teams that are good have always had two stars. So to me, the, the, uh, the goal has to be to develop cat and ant together because if you trade Cat, you're not getting another Cat player back. And now you have – you kept the worst player of the two, and you're going to build around that player and, with no real path to get mm-hmm. the same the level of yeah. talent back to help him. So now you're really screwed yourself. So uh, to me, the the only path is to develop around Ant and Cat. Like, And again, I'm not even giving up on D-Lo, but I ha- he's not one of the big two. There, no. there's, yeah. there's zero chance he – surpasses either cat or ant because even with all the flaws to ants game today i still think he's a, a better player than Delo um overall i mean i think Delo like when Delo look when dilo's on mm-hmm. he looks he looks better than cat but he's on so infrequently that you can't yeah. bank on it um so i just think we have to get to a point where we can get those guys um, or let's just take Ant in particular because he's the only one I really care about in this equation, figure out a way that Ant can be productive without it being a Ant-only show so that, you know, the rest of the team doesn't suffer. Because, I mean, when he's you – know, like even if – like there's so many games where I was at this year already where, like you said, we like the Clippers game, for example, we had a 12-16 winner, 20-point lead. And then it's like Ant looks up at the – he doesn't really do this. I'm just – you know making the analogy but it's like he looks up at the 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 scoreboard and is like wow I only have like you know seven points and we're going into the fourth quarter I need to I need to get it going and it's like well it was working (laughs) just let it come naturally like if you don't if you don't get more than seven points tonight and we win that's okay Mm -hmm. you don't need to score 25 in order for it to be a successful night like we just need to win and I don't think he's figured that part out and maybe that's because he's just turned twenty years old. Whatever the reasons are, or it might be, he might feel a lot of pressure just to be that guy too. But he's not capable of it yet, and um so let's help him get there. You know, and I don't know, you know, how they do that, but it has to be where um it, you can play it too many. Like it can't be at the expense of the rest of the team. I guess is what the best way I can say it. Yeah,
0: I mean, and I, I think I've seen the same con- conversations, the same comments about Cat and Ant and. I don't I don't know if I completely agree in the fact that it's people are calling to trade cat and give the keys to ant because cats in in, in anybody's way I think the struggle that everybody is seeing and all right maybe not everybody the struggle that some people are seeing and I'd put myself in this camp is if this is a 35 win team if that's what this team with if, if Vegas is right we're at 33 and a half whatever as our over under and that's just who we are especially with this roster with this talent that they've tried to accumulate. Do you see any path forward on making changes on the, around the margins to go from 35 to 50 wins with this team or in the next two years? Or are we inevitably driving towards a scenario where Cat's going to be traded anyway?
1: So I would say no, I don't see a scenario where you trade either way to be honest with you so mm. the way i see it is this is that if this team is just a 35 win team the only way for it to get better is for those two in particular to get better together because if you trade cat now and because you can't win more than 35 games how are you going to do it with just Ant? because the guys you're getting back for cat aren't nearly as good as cat there's nobody in the league that's going to give you back equal value for cat and there's there's only a handful of guys that are equal value for cat right now i mean that's yeah. just yeah. the reality, right? And so you're not getting one of those guys. You might get. It's not. It would have to be a three way team, a three way deal. You like that? W- Cat would be the type of guy that you could trade one on one for Simmons. And as much as I like Sim, and, you know, and obviously Cat and, and B can't coexist, so it would be you know maybe Cat goes to Portland and Leather goes to Philly. Whatever. Let's just make up that scenario. But Simmons and Ant, I don't think is any better than Cat and Ant. And, and I don't actual, I don't think
0: that's the goal though. I don't think the goal is to be good for the next 3 years if you trade Cat.
1: Well, it's it's certainly that's the outcome though, right? Like you're not going to be good. But I, I think, we're not good now. Like so so your solution is to trade for unknown draft picks in the because we've been so good at that in the past of drafting guys and building teams like that's always the solution here let's start over it's not working let's get more draft picks so we can get more Andrew Wiggins Rashad McCann's Johnny Flynn's in the here because those are the guys that are going to win it the- that's what you get <laughs> like it's so rare for a team to hit on every single pick and the Wolves uh, last year was the one year they hit like where you could- and even that ant wasn't like a stretch he was the number one You're like you yeah, had the mm-hmm. number one pick so like you've got Jaden and Bomaro who look like good players at the positions they're at, but they're like, are they superstars? No, no. I mean, as big as Jaden fan as I am, I, don't, I wouldn't call him a superstar at any point in his career. He's a important cog for a winning team, I think at some point, but you know what I mean? Like, it's like that. So th- those are our options. Our options are trade cat for a bunch of picks that we hope materialize in three or four years because we're so good at drafting or keep cat and develop them. Cause we're so good at developing guys. I mean those are our past, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like and I would rather take the known commodity of Cat and develop that than the unknown commodity of whatever crappy players we end up drafting in with the picks that we got. And then possibly isol- having this exact same scenario in 3 or 4 years where ants frustrated because he hasn't won anything and now he's looked at, you know, nationally the same way cats looked at it, as a guy who can't win because we've decided because the media's branded players over the course of the last 10-15 years that this guy's a winner because he's on a really good team but he's the reason and this guy's not because he's on a really crappy team and he's the reason they're crappy like you know the, the media has dumbed us down as sports fans to the point where we we think guys they have to win even in crappy situations to be valuable players and then we're all surprised when they get traded to a team that's actually got other players we're like well this guy's good now like right. no he was always good we just didn't know how to watch that sport anymore because the, the ESPNs of the world have taught us that you know, All you, you look at their, number, their their point totals that's important but you also have to look do they win if they didn't they're no it's like the quarterbacks in football like if as long if they don't win well there's I mean it's so few games are actually dictated by a quarterback if you have a bad defense your, your quarterback's never gonna win it's like you know um, it's like Matthew Stafford did he was he always good or was he always crappy in Detroit you know it's those kinds of arguments and so I just I think that's just as risky. You trade Cat and take draft picks and hope Ant's still happy here in four years of being a twenty-win team because that's all he's going to win without Cat.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's they're equally equally risky. It's just a matter of what do you what do you enjoy watching more? And I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say I enjoy watching a twenty-win team over a thirty-five-win team. At least there's a few more wins that way. But I think I've reached the <laughs> I've reached a stage in my life where. I'm okay just not paying attention to a a bad sports team. (laughs) You know, like, at least we're not a Vikings podcast right now because that's (laughs) not something I want to talk about either on the field or off the field. And I can get to this point halfway through the season where I can see, sure, they're one game out of the playoffs, but I can say, you know what? My Sundays are open again. Let's figure out what we're going to do as a family. I don't need to be here to watch three hours of Vikings football every single week. You know, I'm I'm 38 now. I've gotten to the point where, I, you know, if the Twins are losing... I don't watch one game the whole season because I just, it's not going to be important to me. And the Timberwolves have always been my, I'll watch you no matter how bad you are team. But I think I'm reaching that point just in the stage of life that I'm at where I'm like, you know what? Call me in three years. You know, it's better than coming into every single season, hoping that this is the year we get the eighth seed. You know, it's just, see,
1: I think I'm already there as, I mean, I, that's why I like, I'm, I'm no longer, I, I, you know you and I have talked about this before I'm no longer the guy that's like championship or bust I just think that's extremely unlikely for a Minnesota team to ever win the NBA title because of the way the league allows players to choose their destinations and stuff we're just never going to be a destination team I'm like I've accepted that I think for me it's I just don't see like we've done the 21 teams for the last 20 years Mm -hmm. it feels like I I don't there's, I don't see that, that like, it's, that's the definition of, you know, insanity, right? We're just going to keep doing this. Oh, this didn't work after like one year. We've had ant for one year and a couple months. Let's just, let's dump cat now and start over. Let's find the right guys to build our own ant. Well, we don't know if for one year, if, you know, those two can coexist. Like, I just don't think that's, but that's always the talk in this town. As soon as things start off bad, they're like, okay. Let's pick one, and right. let's yep. start over on that one. I, I just That's not a solution to me, because we've never shown that to be a successful— like, show me a team that's ever done that successfully. They haven't. When they do that, they get rid of everybody. Like, they they wipe the floor. with Everybody's got—it's like Oklahoma. Westbrook's not there. Durant's not there. Harden's not there. Abak's not there. They're all gone. They started over. So— if we want to go that path, then I'm fine with it. But then everybody, Ant goes too, because Ant's going to bring back just as valuable or, or more valuable assets back than Cat. So if we're going to blow it up, let's blow it up. Get rid of both, because I don't. I think we've seen less, less optimal things from Ant's game to build around than we have from Cat. And Cat's 25. I mean, it's not like he's approaching his you know, the backside of his prime years yet. And so um, I just. Yes, uh, the the uh, the paths we have are both poor. Mm-hmm. I think starting over with by you know jettisoning the best player on the team is the wrong way to go. I mean, it's, frankly, he's it's the second best player this franchise has ever had, yep. and we're gonna and at twenty five, quite easily, yeah, easily, yeah. It's not yep. even a close debate for the the second best player, and we're gonna we, we're gonna decide thirteen months into this that. He's the one that has to go and we're going to build around the guy who shoots, Was he shoot for threes? He shoots, you know, 10, 11, 12 sh- threes a game and he, uh, roughly 35%, 34% of them. I mean, that's just, that's what we're going to build around. <laughs> like, I just don't get, I, 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 as much as I love Ant, I don't get that sentiment that we've seen, like people see. They see a dunk and they're like, oh, we, that's the guy we got to build. I mean, he's not. Kobe he's not Jordan he's he's a long ways from those guys he's like I said to you in the text the other night he's Andrew Wiggins and J.R. Ryder clothing he looks like Ryder physically plays like Andrew Wiggins and that's got to change if we're going to build around that guy Um, so I just to me I'd rather see what those two can do together and if it doesn't work get rid of both of them because one of them's or, or if we're going to keep one, I'd actually I'd keep Cat, even if I like Ant better and I like his personality better. And I think that I think that's what everybody's getting fallen in love with is the personality of like he he in interviews feels like a superstar. Cat doesn't feel like a superstar when you see him in interviews. Mm-hmm. He kind of he's kind of corny. You know, he he says the right things. He's he's probably the better human being. Not that Ant's a bad human being, it's just Cat's an exceptional, he's a very nice guy by all accounts, like you'll never see, hear bad things said about him, but Ant's got that it factor in terms of his um, presentation, overall presentation, but on the court, like he's not close to Cat, like yeah. he's just, so it's just, that's where my frustrations come from hearing all this, and it's it's less the writers who cover the team every day, like I don't see it from the Danes and the Brits, those guys don't even entertain that, right. that thought. Um, it's it's more the the k fan guys and you know those types of personalities who watch two or three games a year and see sports center and see the the highlight you know footage from ant and so um but the the fans pick up on that that's the unfortunate thing. More fans hear the k fan guys mm-hmm. than hear what Dane and Britt have to say unfortunately
0: yeah i th- I think it's just you got off to a start like this where a tenth you know a, or i guess an eighth now after tonight of the way through the season and yeah we we got carl you can see any chart of productivity he's going to be the far and away best player he's probably one of two players on the team who's actually been a positive you know made a positive impact so far for the season we've got ant and we love his potential we love what he could become and yeah those are two keepers and if you take beverly's age into consideration i don't know if there's anybody else in this roster that I consider a keeper if we're moving, if we're going to take a look at what the next successful Timberwolves team is. I don't, you know, I don't know if by the time we get there, there there's some potential there. Maybe you want, maybe See, you want Beasley's I, shooting. Maybe you want.
1: Yeah. I, I think if you look at it from a, this is, uh, these are guys I have to have to build around. own. Yes. I agree with you. But I like also Britt said this on, it was an earlier episode of a podcast with Dane where he's like, I still look at this team as being very talented and I agree with him. It's just, it is, there is some fit problems. Mm-hmm. There are some mental problems where guys just haven't figured out how to play together yet. But I mean, like, look, I'd take Jane McDaniels on any team in the league. If I was a fan of any team in the league, I would, I would take a Jane McDaniels player. I would, um, you know, like you said, Pat Beverly, almost every, any team in the league, I would take Patrick Beverly on, um, Beasley on at least half the teams in the league. Cause there's, Everybody can use a three-point shooter, um, particularly one that can get as hot as he can in a short period of time and move move as well as he does. A lot of the three-point shooters today are kind of slow. He's not. He's yep. he's still a fast guy, so he can get to the spot in a hurry. I mean, he'd be really good on some of these teams. Um, and obviously, Cat, I would take on any team. I would take Ant on any team. Um, you know, D. Lo would still take on a lot of teams. I mean, I, you know, I've, call me I don't foolish, know. I've
0: been. Defending D'Lo for a long time, I thought that he could be a really good fit here. But if I, if I'm objective and I look through the starting point guards in the league, I don't know if he's even in the top two thirds of starting point guards in well, the league. If you
1: league. look at it this year through the lens of his rough start, no, this is historically for his career. Right, so
0: I think there would be at least eighteen to twenty point guards I'd take over D'Lo, even take even not considering the start to this season.
1: I it's I mean I might be able to come up with that many point guards because I also you know, you know me my style of point guards, I'd rather my point guard average twelve points a game. I don't yeah. like point average thirty five points a game. But um he, you know, he did make a playoff team as one of the main two guys on a Brooklyn team. None of our other guys other than Cat can say that, you know, and Cat could only say it for that one year. Um you know, so it's not like he's without value from that standpoint. Like he's 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 been on a winning team before without a clear cut number one guy. Like he was, you know, arguably the number one guy there. And so um, I think on the right team, like he, to me, okay, I'll put it this way Dilo's the type of guy where we trade mm-hmm. to trade the line. He ends up, say, he ends up somehow in Denver, for example, or something like that, where all of a sudden he's the type of guy where everybody's like, oh my God, where did this come from? Well, it's like, well, it's just fit. You know, sometimes a piece fits better with other surrounding pieces and so i just you know it's like the everybody gave up on jay crowder and he ends up in phoenix and becomes a really important piece uh, even chris paul how many teams have given up on chris paul i mean chris paul's never been as bad as Delo but he's always been a guy where teams give up on and move on from him. and i think part of that i think chris paul's probably kind of a jerk yep. i don't think he's a very good guy i think he's you know a fake i think he, and so i think he wears on, on teams that way as well. So that may be part of the problem. But there's, we've, we went through a list like this before, you know, a while back where we just kind of talked about some, certain guys because I was saying that that's the type of guy that Timberwolves need. They need to find that guy who has a lot of ability, who's on a team right now that his value is super low. Ben Simmons would be one. Right. But he's at a different level than, you know, D'Lo and stuff. But
0: I mean, speaking of Chris Paul, if, if the Suns came and said things aren't going our way this year, we trade you Chris Paul for D'Lo, and we don't have to worry about luxury tax concerns. Would you trade D'Lo for Chris Paul straight up right now?
1: I don't know that I would. And again, it kind of goes back to what you just proposed to me in terms of which path you take. What, where does that lead us? What is, you know, how many, how many more seasons do you expect Chris Paul to play at even the level he's at now, which is, you know. Solid, but it's not where he was, no, I mean
0: how many more seasons do you expect Chris Paul to play at a level above what Delo's at right now though? yeah, yeah. I mean, which it he's... might
1: be this year i to be honest, yeah. I don't know, I just don't know how much more Chris Paul can play better than Delo. I don't know you know what Delo looks like by the end of this year because I, you know like look, if Delo can string together more games like the Memphis game he's a he's a better player this year than than chris Paul if he can if he can string together three out of every four games to be as good as what he was against Memphis. That's Mm -hmm. a better uh, performance than what we got out of, uh, we get out of Chris Paul, I think. But so I, like I get where you're going with it. I, but I just don't think for me, that's not as clear cut just because of Chris Paul's age and like his declining ability. And it's like the the future, it's like, okay, so we have a rental on Chris Paul. Yeah. You know, it might be worth it because he might teach, he might be a better influence on Anthony Lewis. Um, and he might help cat learn how to win and whatever, all these things. But then what? Then what's your plan? Like, who do you, you know, not, who's mm-hmm. your starting point guard in a year or two years? I, you know, I don't know. I mean, obviously there, there are guys out there that have a, that are probably more gettable that I'd probably take over them over Chris Paul for deal.
0: Okay. I mean, so let me scroll past some of these, these top names that just would are clearly, you know, higher. Steph Curry. Damian Lillard, Trey Young, those are guys that are going. Everybody's going to consider higher than D-Lo right now. I'm Getting to Drew Holiday after his after winning the championship last year and defensive impact, I, I, I think we'd that. all agree that Drew Holiday's up there. Yeah, Darren Fox.
1: I mean, I probably would because I think they're on similar timelines. And but I haven't. I don't watch enough Sacramento. Mm-hmm. What I have watched, I think. I think I would lean towards Darren yeah. Fox. Kyle Lowry. I mean, he's another age issue, but yeah. He's Chris Paul, who I love, Kyle Lowry. So I'd be a little bit more leaning towards Kyle Lowry over Chris Paul, just because I don't like Chris Paul and I do like Kyle Lowry, right. but you're in the same boat. You know, I, I just don't think the window makes sense. It's like, okay, you're going to give up a 25 year old for a 35 year old who yeah. is yeah. also 400 pounds now.
0: So Jaws clear. <laughs> jaws uh, clear. Shea Gilgis- Shea's Alexander. clear. I, He's clear. Yeah. LaMelo. Would you take LaMelo over yeah. DeLo?
1: LaMelo over DeLo. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon. Um, That'd be pretty close. I, I put them in the same category. Sure. Like I'd probably, I I'd I probably
0: take Brogdon, especially on this team. Yeah, with- I wouldn't
1: argue it strong yeah. one way or the other. But uh, uh, Fred Van Vliet? I'd take Van Vliet, but I'm a big Van Vliet guy. Lonzo Ball? I'd take Lonzo. You know me, I'm Lonzo too. <laughs> uh, Spencer Dinwiddie? <laughs> I'd probably keep d Okay. And I like Dinwiddie, but I'd keep D-Low. DeJounte Murray? I'd keep d I'm not a big Murray guy. Okay. And I know all the smart basketball people keep saying that, but they keep saying, this is the year, and then never is the year.
0: I, I think this year has actually been quite good for him, but... I haven't, I mean, followed it, him. It, I haven't it, seen him play yet because they haven't played us. But. We're kind of through the top 20 guys. We probably said yes on 15 of them. So I, would, I would probably. D'Lo's probably right in the middle of starting point guards in the league. I mean, you could if you start trying to consider guys with potential, you know, Jalen Suggs and Tyrese Maxey and Killian Hayes or whatever, then if you, if all you're looking for is to get a, a lower paid player in that position, then you can have a different conversation. But think, I don't think you'd take him for this year, so... Um. so yeah I mean Darius Garland might with the way he's been playing at Cleveland this year he might be pushing his way up into that conversation
1: or as Sexton. well but I mean, he'd Ram Sexton, and he'd be in that you know yeah. in that category as well but so, yeah so I, mean, that, I don't think I don't think we differ on where we rank d I think the only difference there is like I'm not suggesting we like we around him I'm saying yeah. I, I'm getting him like if a trade scenario comes that is not a salary dump, like we're just getting Torian Prince's and Mm -hmm. James Johnson's back, I would do it, right? Like, if if a Ben Simmons trade came for d though, I would do it in a heartbeat. And I don't have to give up Jaden. I would do it. Even now, because of the rough start, if I push come to shove, if I was forced to give up Jaden for Simmons, I would do it. Again, you know, to what end? Does that... I I think it's better than what we got. Is that a um, championship roster? I don't know, you know. I I think
0: it's funny because we talked all, all off season about a Ben Simmons trade because we thought we'd have a top five offense and we needed somebody to fix our defense. I don't bring in Ben Simmons. Isn't going to solve these offensive issues that we've been talking about this whole no. episode. I would still do it. I still think talent trumps all he's, eventually, I, but
1: he might help the spacing just because he's a better orchestrator of, of a uh, offensive flow than anybody we have on the roster mm-hmm. today. I mean, he, he's, a uh, super Rubio in terms of that, the way that goes. Um, and, and obviously Rubio didn't shine last year for us the way we had hoped, but he came in out of shape and whatever. Yeah.
0: He's been super um,
1: Rubio this year. Yeah. yeah. Well, the Knicks game the other yeah. night, I mean, um, but anyway, yeah, I, so I think Simmons could help the offense in that way. He could also help the offense and it's one less guy. that's going to be looking to get his shot off. I mean, that to me, that's the biggest issue is you just have three guys who are all looking to score 25 points on this team and they don't care like that's their number one goal. I have to score twenty five. If we win, great. If we lose, well, I'll be I'll be crabby about it. But it's not my fault because I be, I got my twenty five. That's kind of the mentality it feels like this team has. Mm-hmm. And Ben Simmons wouldn't be that right. Like, and so that's why I don't like point guards that are thirty point. You know, guys that are trying to be scorers because they're they're dictating so much of that. Well, unless you're John Morant who can do both and right. he's not a selfish player, but he's just so explosive that he's going to score anyway, or Steph Curry, um, who's a very unselfish. I mean, that's
0: the top of the top, right? It's, it's Steph, it's Dame, top. it's Ja, It's those guys up there who don't need to be the focal point, but they are because of just how good they are.
1: Right. Right. And, and we're not getting one of those guys No, for D though, you know, or any other package we could put together unless we trade cat or ant. So, um, that's why I might like, yeah, there's other, there might be 15 guys I, I would take over DLO, but with a situation, there's like, he kind of fits with a lot of those other guys. Like, you know, the there's 10 probably yeah, for sure. I would take over DLO. The next five are kind of all I prefer just because I might like their games a little better, but they're, mm-hmm. they're not like significantly better than Delo. And then there's five below him that are not significantly worse that you could also make arguments that might fit better, even if they're not as talented, you know? So, I mean, that's that's the enigma of Dilo because he's got a lot of talent. He's just not a good player for some reason with all that talent.
0: Yeah. He's not... He, you know, it doesn't help... So far, he has not helped the Timberwolves be better. That, that talent hasn't fit in the way that we... That especially Gerson Rosas thought it would. So, I don't know. We've talked through a lot of things. we talked about the future. we talked about the current lineups. Like we said, we're not experts. We're not on the team. We're not trainers. We're not coaches. And we just have to sit here and trust that uh, Gupta is has a plan that he's putting things together that we don't see that he's making those calls. And I, I honestly think if they wait until the trade deadline to make a deal, that they're going to be too far behind by that point. So hopefully they, there's somebody else out there who's willing to make a deal sooner, but uh, you know, it's a deadline driven league. So we might be a ways off from what, what any would changes. you try to get? I mean, I, I, I think they still need to look at that power forward position. I think they still need a fifth starter who can play on both ends of the floor. I'd, and if it's not Jaden, if they've determined that Jaden is not a power forward, which I think they have, even if that's their best, you know, starting lineup option, then that's the word that other guys got to fit. And if you can find somebody that likes the pieces that we have on our bench right now, whether that's Beasley or Torian Prince, or I, I don't want to get rid of Nas because you can't have a more efficient way to spend money for your backup center, but. He's gonna price himself out after after next year. It's still too early to give up on him because of that, but um but if Nas is the selling point that you need to get a power forward that's actually gonna fit next to Carl in the starting lineup, and then you use the other guy as a salary filler, I don't I don't know what that ends up being. I mean I was tweeting with uh, T wolves blog the other day and he threw out, you know I think it was um uh, malik plus you know somebody else and then two protected picks for miles turner i love miles turner i think that'd be a great fit but i don't know if i'd give up two protected picks to bring him in so i don't know what i don't know what the options are anymore i don't know who, who the players are going to be they're going to be available i don't know which teams are going to be in a sell mode when the time comes i i don't know because you can't focus on point guard you have too many assets tied up in point guard unless you're trading delo out you can't focus on shooting guard because you either have malik and edwards or still edwards you know and so small forward and power forward the, those forward positions are where you kind of need to focus on your on your next step on whatever it's going to make a difference on this team and i think they still yeah. want Jaden to be one of those two spots
1: and i i don't think they've necessarily ruled Jaden out at power forward i think they like him at small forward because he's it's it's the most flexible way to kind of keep him you know able to move him around yeah. to whatever they need him to do um well and and they, not... they can't
0: rebound like they want to if he's at power forward. They're not strong yeah, but, enough and big enough to do that.
1: He's not, but as he, I, I think I still, I would still take him as a rebounding power forward over Okogie. You know, yeah, like, yeah. 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 But Okogi's starting is a power forward. you know what I mean? So yeah. I think it could work where like Jaden's starting at the four, like they did the other night with, when uh, Beverly started, I don't necessarily like Beverly and Tila both starting. Cause I want to stagger, do you go off the floor with so Beverly and Kat can get more time together just because, of, you know, I, I just want somebody to get Kat the damn ball. Right. <laughs> so that he can do, do what he's got to do. But, um, so I mean, if you, you had know. a big three,
0: I mean, uh, you know, a big, small forward at this point,
1: well, that's would why be fine Torian that Prince too. would have. if Torian Prince would have looked like he did in preseason. Yeah. He, I, to me, he would have been the guy at the fifth starter because depending on matchups, it doesn't really matter. Who's the starting three and who's the starting four? It's just it's who they defend, as Finch always says. And yep. you know, and um I think then those two become a little bit interchangeable. But the, you know, that's kind of why I was going back at it. Like every time that he tinkered with the starting lineup, it seems to work initially because then when Vandal started the first game Vandal started, I'm like, okay, he starts every game. Mm-hmm. Well then that went away really fast, you know. And then Okogie, I mean Okogi's had his moment starting and you know, Beverly the other night. That we had a great start when Beverly started. You know, we just didn't have a good finish. Every single um, one
0: of those guys has an exploitable weakness that another team can find within 24 minutes of basketball, which is yep. just a challenge.
1: And or the rest of the other three guys basically render them useless because they're playing this selfish yeah. one-on-one yeah. ball. So it's it's not even so much like, I mean, they, they do they all do have weaknesses, but they're all playing. Those other guys are actually playing the right way. Like Okogi's not the old Kogi where he's chucking up too many bad shots. Vanderbilt's not doing anything that like hurts the team. It's, it's just how the starters react to the different pieces that come in, you know, like it'll work for 30 minutes and then all of a sudden they'll, you know, it just becomes selfish again. Like they were moving the ball around so well for three and a half quarters against Memphis. I I don't know why that stopped other than their a couple guys looked up and realized they didn't have their 20 points yet and decided I need to get my 20 points. Um, it's just selfish, selfish ball right now. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, you know, I still think they have a chance to be a good team this year. They just got to figure out and, you know, how to not care as much about their personal statistics because right now that's all it seems like they, they care about in particular D'Lo and Ant.
0: Yeah. You know, if, if a small forward, like, you know, if Toronto keeps playing a little bit above their station and it's because of the younger guys, it's Van Vliet, it's Ananobi, and they decide they are going to move a guy like Siakam. He'd be the right size for you know another forward, whether he's a three or four. He's another guy who's kind of sticky with the ball, you know, so I don't know if on offense he's a great fit, but, you know, he's a heck of a defender, so he'd be another guy you could bring in, but I don't know. I don't have the solution. I hope Gupta has something up his sleeve. I hope it's not a panic trade. I hope it's not trading away future picks in order to try to, you know, plug a hole in the dike right now. So, um, Either he's got something long term, or we just see where this one goes and figure out a deal trade at the end of the year. But uh, they're three and six. They got a game against Golden State tonight, which I'm sure is going to be lovely with uh, how Golden State's been playing lately. They're on a West Coast swing, so they got the Lakers. They got the Clippers again coming up. And uh, they'll be back uh, home in Minnesota sometime next week. And, uh, a lot of
1: games. Yeah, four games next week. That schedule's brutal yeah. for me. Yeah. <laughs> enjoy
0: your season tickets and uh chad we'll bring it back next week And hopefully we got some better news
1: all right man Well, have uh it was fun i mean we were kind of all over the place because we just had a lot to catch up on but yep. it was fun to get it out we'll talk about it again talk to you later yep see you dude bye